Hey, everybody. Welcome to the True Texas Real Estate Podcast, where we talk about buying and selling Texas. I am Marilee Brown with Empire Financial and my co-host... I'm Linda Zimmerhansel, broker of Zest Realty here in San Antonio. And we are at the office today. Um, we're trying to do a lot of things on location, but it just so happens that Courtney Gill, who's our property management expert, she has tremendous experience. She offices right across the street from us. So it all worked Who really knew? well. Yeah, yeah, I know. We didn't know we were secret um, neighbors, yeah, right? That's awesome. So Courtney has extensive property management experience. I think it's a super important topic, especially today. I have a lot of clients that are, as you know, I've referred over that um, are asking about, hey, um, um, there's some challenges in our industry right Absolutely. now, but everybody always, especially the military, are always asking, hey, should I sell it or should I should I lease it out? I always like them to get, you know, the knowledge of both. So we've invited Courtney in to speak and probably have to have you back again because it's never long enough. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you manage 300 right now yes. units? Yes, right on about 300 single family and small multifamily. So up to your basically four units. We'll do on occasional eight to 10 units, but definitely our lane is the single family. Great. And a lot of property managers don't do multifamilies. So. Right. That's a different animal when you have to have on-site and everything like that. Is it a bigger challenge? It's just a different challenge. Different processes go into place when you have to have somebody on staff maintenance-wise and rent collection and things like that. Can you talk a little bit about the choice that people have to make? Oh, should I sell it or should I buy? Of course, the market's always different, right? Um, in today's market, what we're seeing is higher interest rates, right, Marilee? Mm -hmm. <laughs> a little higher interest rates. And that um, puts just when people are buying, especially I've got a young man and he's thinking about investing and he's looking at how much his mortgage is going to be, then how much the rent's going to be. What are the challenges when you're giving people advice on whether they should sell or rent? The biggest thing we're seeing is that just lack of cash flow. So if they've taken out a mortgage in the last 18 months, typically their interest rates are over 5%. So the market rent isn't covering their mortgage payment. And for most people, cash flow is a huge priority, right? When owning an investment property, I try and tell them it's like your 401k. You have to put money into it to see the, you know, the rate of return. And with all this period, maybe a two or $300 a month hiccup in the long term, you can always refinance the property. Um, we're also seeing now with more and more people unable to sell that they're turning them into rents, rental properties. So we're seeing like in one neighborhood, eight other houses that are competing against. So we're just having to get more aggressive in our marketing and our tactics, make sure our rental properties really stand out and shine against the competition um, along the way. Great. Now, and that's really a really unique advice that I haven't heard a lot before, but it's so smart, right? I mean, it's another place to put your money. It's like putting it in your 401k or the money market or this, that, and the other. And when interest rates change, they can refinance, right? That's really, right. how hard is that? Oh, very easy. And it's much cheaper than buying a rate down right now. So, yeah. So it's something to consider. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We're, and we're going to get into some inter yeah. I'm sure you have some great stories about property management. <laughs> but to reassure people, uh, like I'll get people scared to be a landlord. Can you reassure people how important it is, really, number one, not to be, you know, not to not utilize a management company? I mean, I always discourage my clients from doing that because they're not experts. Can you tell us why that's so important? 
you know, I believe completely what you're saying about being an expert. We've been doing property management for 23 years. And I tell people, this is what I live and breathe. So I'm up to date on all the Texas property codes, all the changes at the local level that are being made on ordinances. A lot of short-term rental registry changes have been happening uh, just even in San Antonio and surrounding areas. The other thing is I take the emotional approach out of it. What that means is for most people, this is their single largest asset. This is where a baby was born, a marriage happened, a divorce. Something is emotionally timed in this house. A lot of times when people try and self-manage, they let that emotion come forward. And so they have a very hard time enforcing the lease when it comes to late payments. Um, they tend to want to make it, well, this happened and this happened. For me, this is a job. And I explain that to both the tenant and the owner. This is my job. And my job is to enforce your lease and to know the rules and regulations around it. So let me do that and stay in that area Um the other thing about owners self-managing a lot of times is they run out of time during the day. They're human beings, right? So it becomes a low priority and something that's minor, like a minor faucet leak becomes a flood because it fell off their radar or they just didn't have time to get to it or they don't know the resources, right? They no longer live in San Antonio, who's a good handyman or a plumber. 23 years, 300 properties. I got somebody for everything, whether it's a gate repair, AC, and we're always passing along those discounts. So I tell owners most of the time, you actually save money going to the property manager because we're doing a volume business with these vendors and you're getting the benefit of that savings. I have to agree with that. And, you know, if you've ever tried to lease out your own property, you would know in an instant, I had my oldest daughter didn't listen to mother's advice <laughs> and she was in Oklahoma and she's like, sure, I'll rent it. I I'm just going to do it myself. And I said, that's a bad idea. And she's very successful. She's pretty tough in her job. And I said, you bet the, your very first house that you ever bought that your heart's still attached to is going to be important. Right. So sure enough, she gets these applicants and she calls me. She goes, mom, I picked one. It's perfect. It's this, um, she, a young lady, she has her mom who lives with her who's partially disabled and they're going to rent it but they've asked for a hundred dollars off the lease <laughs> and so uh, red flag number one and and she says and she works two jobs to try to make it and so my Christina and I really like them I said first of all don't come down in your rent what you're asking is worth it and number two how are you going to be able to evict them when she you loses the other job or she runs off with the boyfriend and then the disabled mom is there and she she said oh and she thought about it <laughs> for a minute and then she got a property manager because that was just too tough plus the other thing is people don't realize you know like figure out what you make per hour in your job, right? That's and great. and you probably paying you is not as expensive as people think. And it's going to be a lot cheaper because you're if you're going to have to find out from square one all the different changes. You're going to have to research that. That's beyond the emotional level, right? right it doesn't absolutely. make financial sense. Well, and not only that, where we come into play is at the end of the year for your tax purposes, we're providing you a cash flow statement so you can see how much rent that came in, any expenses against it. So you're tracking all of that for Schedule E write-off purposes. Um, and you're just basically having a trusted professional, just like your 401k. You have a financial planner, same concept with this asset. Exactly. What are some stories that you can kind of tell us, like anecdotal, um, that you can tell us where you've, it's been you know, something good to share that might be um, illustrative to the audience. So uh, very young in my career, I'm a second generation realtor and um, I was 
had just had my first daughter. So this was 15 years ago. And my mom had sold me the property management company. So I had inherited this book of doors. And I noticed this big house, the most expensive house we had in management. They were paying $3,500 a month in rent, didn't pay rent. So long story short, we go through the eviction process, which was eye-opening for me on my first time around. Um, and we go to do the eviction itself, which is called the writ of possession, where we get the sheriff in to lock them out. And all of the paintings I noticed were on the floor and all the backs have been ripped off. And I'm like talking to the sheriff. I'm like, I don't understand. Why would you rip all this artwork? And he just looked at me and he goes, oh, you must be new at this. And I said, <laughs> I am. Like, I'm very new at this. And he said, oh, that's where they hide their money and their drugs. And I was like, oh, okay. Oh, Welcome to property management. So um, that was definitely an eye-opening experience. Um, I also had some tenants who went out of town. Um, they installed a brand new washer and dryer, went out of town and the hot water on the washing machine ran for three weeks and flooded oh. former David Weekly model. Oh, no. And we had to do about a quarter million dollar renovation on that property, move them out. My owners were in Australia. So coordinating all of that, getting the house back to the condition it was. And so, no, it it's not just, I think a lot of people think property management, oh, you're just collecting rent and then you're collecting. Yeah, it's like, no, you're managing all the pieces of the move in, the move out, repairs, insurance, all of it. Um, you know, we really try and make sure we're providing not only great customer service, but then also added value. So when it comes to things like, protesting pro uh, property taxes, helping them coordinate oh, that. Oh, that's fantastic. Yes, we aligned with the company this year to offer them that, making sure their insurance coverage is up-to-date and correct with the flood and you know all of that variety of things. So really kind of being the hub for everything they need regarding a property. Right. And uh, also, I know personally, you're involved um, in our trade organizations, Absolutely. which is really important as well, because then you're... It, it kind of tapped into the lobbying efforts on behalf of of property owners, yes. um, very, and specifically folks that own second homes and and you know homes that they rent out. So we have a big population here of military, right? Um, so when a military uh, family is considering. And um, what do you, what do you tell them? Cause they're going to be moving around. This has always traditionally been a nice place to keep it, right. even if they don't return. What's your advice to them? We have a huge, I would say about a third of our total rental pool is all either military active duty or retired, um, where they've just decided that they're not coming back to San Antonio for a variety of reasons. So I try and have a good candid conversation when I go out. What is your long-term objective with this property? Are you moving back? What is your financial situation to be able to carry the home? Because even just the rent, you want to make sure you still have a fund to take care of the property in case something emergency happens. Right. I'll tell you the other thing is I have a lot of Navy right now and I need an emergency point of contact when they're, you know, out to sea yes. and things. And so I find that most of my military families are super organized. They're thirsty for the information. They want to make good decisions. Um, and they're very strategic about their planning. They want to make sure that their VA eligibility is not going to be tied up or what it's going to look like in the next city for buying or renting and things like that. So there's a lot of, I think, extra parts that go into for a military family to make those decisions. Um, ultimately, do they plan to retire back in San Antonio and move back into the home? Are they looking to build their portfolio? Is their VA tied up? All that fun stuff. And that's all great advice. I will say, you know, communication in our business, just in the real estate business, so important. Yes. How important is it? Because I have had clients complain before about other property management companies that aren't very communicative, how important it is to maintain that line of communication. 
I was just having this conversation earlier. Things are going to happen. It's, it's, I tell everyone, tenants are human beings too. They're going to have things happen like births, deaths, job losses. The best thing that can happen is good, solid communication, both directions. So we've gone to an office policy that we touch base and physically interact with a tenant at least once a month. So whether that be via text phone call or email. We want to make sure they are still living there. They are the ones still residing there. We also do what we call property visits. So we make sure three times a year that they are the ones in the property. They're changing air filters, all those type of things that really help keep the communication flowing. Um, Doing this 23 years, you can generally get a vibe in a house if they're taking care of it, um, what's going on in their lives get ahead of, oh, they're building a house. They're not going to renew. Those little tidbits that they tell you when you're in a good active communication situation with them. Um, For me, with our owners, I depend on our owners to be our referral source. I don't do any type of marketing. and, And so I tell my owners, my sole focus is to take care of your asset. In return, if you could refer me to friends and family that are like you, that will allow me to continue to make my focus on maintaining your property, not going out and marketing or cold calling or anything like that. So oh. to me, communication is king, but then it also, I reap the benefit of it. it absolutely. It goes both ways. Absolutely. Right? I mean, it's a win-win. So uh, now if somebody's out there, and I know a lot of you out there are thinking about it because I have a little tiny group of uh, investor wannabes, I want to call them. So what are, I, and maybe there's not a standard advice for you um, from your side of the aisle, but what do you recommend if somebody's just wanting to get into buying some investment properties? Um, what do you recommend? Is it a, is, does it matter on the person? Does it buy small single family or if they have enough money, is it better to go in and, and buy a, a fourplex or a duplex? What do you, what do you recommend? Right now, I have um, about five investors that are all going in and they're all doing new construction. They're finding that for them, they just want to go ahead and buy a property that they know that the next five to 10 years are going to be pretty low maintenance. We may have to do some carpet or painting, um, but they're not going to be something where the foundation or the water heater or the AC. And so we're strategically buying three to four bedroom properties, newer construction We're buying a lot on that 35 corridor just because Mm -hmm. that's the fastest growing corridor right now, I believe, in the state um, for uh, zip code. And so those investors have a long-term history. We've bought older homes, and I just always remind them this is a long game with the the older homes. We're going to have to be providing things, especially that kind of 10, 15, 20-year marker, AC start going out, roofs, water heaters, all of that. So... um, there's an argument on the older homes that there's a lot more diversity in the pricing that you get just because right. one neighborhood may not be updated when, you know, you could get a lot more range in the rents. Um, I personally love older homes. I've lived in Chavanaugh Park and Almost Park. And so I love that. Um, but definitely, I would say stay with what you're comfortable with and make sure that you have a long-term plan for repairs, whether it be because the home is older and needs it or because a tenant does it take care of it and you need to have a paint or carpet replaced or things like that? Um, one of the conversations I've been having a lot is if this is a long-term asset for you, where are you at with the flooring? If you plan to keep this house for 15 years, let's put a solid surface in now mm-hmm. that's going to last us instead of just continuing to replace carpet. Absolutely. Absolutely. Super smart. Now with the the new builds, do you recommend, because everybody has an eye on, on uh, obviously the asset, right? And are you ever worried um, or do you ever give advice on, hey, don't don't buy a brand new house and where there's eight 
all, you know, eight other new builds or do you do anything like that? Or are most people keep it? What is it? Eight years? Is that an average or it's, it's come down over the last couple of That's years it? with COVID. Well, because the market had spiked so much dramatically. And so because we saw this huge swing in a market boom, I right. could usually tell people, Oh, this owner's going to keep it five to seven years. And then during COVID, when prices went through the roof, people were selling more and more. So um, we try and be strategic and make sure that at the time an owner buys in a community, there aren't, you know, eight or nine other rentals or um, we're not competing against ourselves. I have one client that has seven <laughs> in the same community. Um, so sometimes we compete <laughs> against ourselves, but it was a great deal and a bulk and she knew she was in it for the long term. Um, and so it just really depends on the community. And a lot of the builders are also monitoring how many investment properties are being purchased in the community. So there's just a different dynamic that goes into all of those decisions. And do you do short-term rentals? I do not. Okay. But you're tapped into knowing what's going on with them. Correct. What, what's what's the wave? Because there's a lot of misinformation out there. So uh, we at Save War have done a lot of lobbying efforts to make sure that uh, owners can continue to have short-term rentals. They are going to, the strike force team has been out in full force, mm -hmm. um, making oh, yeah. sure that you know repairs are being done, but then also that there are no non-registered actors on those short terms. So they're going through- What's your, that mean? Uh, short-term or bad actors? No, no. Yeah. The actors. What's that mean? Just the people who aren't licensed to do it. So oh, short-term okay. rentals do require a permit through the city. And, okay. we, and with that, it's very quickly easy to go on to like VRBO or Airbnb and see who's not registered. So is that just again. in the ETJ of San Antonio yes. or cause like I have, you know, I've seen a lot more out in the Canyon Lake area. Correct. So is that under that jurisdiction? No. No, and like um, Fredericksburg had a big uh, short-term rental registry uh, city council. They did a 700-page study about the um, excess noise, the garbage that it was causing, and things like that. And so Texas Realtors got involved in that to make sure that private property owners have a right to do what they want with their property within reasonable limits, right, to make sure that it isn't destroying the community. Um, a lot of them have restrictions on boundaries. So they'll say you can have one short-term rental for every 10 permits. Well, that doesn't work in a scenario where you've got all riverfront yes. property, right? Mm -hmm. So then one person holds the dominant permit for however many years. The other thing I was reading the other day is San Antonio took one of the hardest hits on the percentages of Airbnbs being rented out. I think we were down almost... 20%. Yes. Um, and I know I've been on three appointments in the last 30 days where people had them as Airbnbs and then they're not getting bookings. And so they're like, we need to come up with solid rent. Yes. Um, it's great if you're in a very specific pocket, I think, of San Antonio, close to Fiesta, Texas or SeaWorld or you know something that's drawing someone from out of town. But I think the days of your traveling nurses or post-COVID are a little bit down yes. um, and just not seeing the kind of movement people, vacation, cost of gas is so expensive and all of that is climbed. So as there companies that are actually doing the property management for short-term rentals mm -hmm. then mm -hmm. that's, um, you're only, you're doing long-term rentals. Correct. Okay. So, so question. Mm -hmm. So one of the big trends that everybody's talking about right now is house hacking where you get the millennials, they want to buy a duplex uh, triplex, fourplex, so that they can, you know, live in one, mm -hmm. be able to get their FHA loan or VA loan or whatever, and then be able to rent out the other three. Where I'm seeing that these people are just they're they're buying it and then they're just struggling. 
Right. This would be a good instance where they could buy this and then have you manage the other three units, right? Right, the other two or however. I just recommend it. I mean, yep. referred Courtney yep. for somebody in this situation who lives on the on the triplex property. I probably have a handful, two handfuls of clients that are looking right now for that type of situation. What do we have in the market here for? you know, millennials who are wanting to go ahead and do that. I have a lot of people calling me from California and said, hey, we want to buy a fourplex. What What's the market look like here in San Antonio? I will tell you on the fourplex front, what I'm seeing is we either have a lot of older units that were near downtown um, or we have areas that have been backfilled. Where I always get a little nervous is some of these streets that become backfill streets where you'll have 10 fourplexes all in the same street it becomes a challenge to raise rents because if this fourplex over here is only charging 1500 very similar you know interior features and you're trying to get 1800 it's hard when you've got 10 all on the same street and good point i've got several point. of those where we end up rent locked based off of what everybody else is doing um, in the community. And so the other thing is it's very hard to stay um, non-personal. And I tell my homeowners who live in one side of a duplex and the other, and I'm like, you do not own it. You need to say you are a tenant just like they are, because otherwise they will knock on your door. And if I'm enforcing a late fee and they're not happy about it, they're going to want to have a conversation with you. And then you're stuck, you know, having to deal with it, which the whole point That's is you hired point. somebody to, yeah. you know, hand it over. Absolutely. It's a, it's super valued. So you're recommending if somebody's just going to buy a single fourplex, probably get out of one of these developments basically and buy something that's standalone. Right. If you can, those are harder to come by just because the cost of construction has gotten so expensive. Um, so the, a lot of the backfills are a little bit more common right now. We just also don't have a big builder pool building those multifamilies um, in San Antonio. And so it's unfortunate that we're not seeing as many much of that. Um, and because land here is still fairly inexpensive, most people are opting to do the single family route. Uh, route. The other thing about multifamily is, and I have this because I have a sixplex down in Alamo Heights. We dropped rent on one unit because it's been vacant now, 60 days. And then all the tenants called me and said, I'm oh, not what that rent oh, is. Oh, wow. Out. And my owner's like, how'd that happen? I'm like, well, I'm doing my job. I'm marketing the property. And so I'm sure they got an alert on some tracking yes. you know, system that they have. And so it just, it becomes a challenge on how to navigate getting more rent, in my opinion, in those scenarios. So I know for the last, God, I mean, years and years, we've been, had very low vacancy rates. Mm-hmm. What's happening now with kind of the change in the real estate market, which I know affects the rental market? So traditionally, April through August is our busy season. We schedule all 300 of our leases to come up during that because it's PCS season for the military school owners that decide that they want to sell. They want to usually get listed in the spring, early summer portion of the year. We now are taking the largest group of homes ever into the winter that we've seen. Um, Typically, I may have less than five rentals available this time of year, and I'm carrying almost 15. Um, Typically, these are rentals that either came into the pool late or referred to us or, you know, whatever the reason may be. Sure. All of these that I have have all come on in the last 30 days where they tried to sell their home over the summer, didn't work, uh, and now they've decided to rent it out. So I definitely think that the next, probably, I heard to the other day say, survive till 25. Uh, <laughs> I definitely think the next 60 days is going to be, you know, very telling through the end of the year. Yeah. Next year's an election year, which always has an impact on the market and interest rates. Yeah. Obviously, will drive more people to rent, uh, Comet will also drag more homes into the par- 
market, so sure. to speak. So that makes I, sense. I survived 2008. I only have about 15 gray hairs <laughs> from that. So um, I definitely think people always have to have somewhere to live. And yes. so at the end of the day, real estate over any 10-year period has always shown appreciation. So if you can hang in there, buy when the market maybe feels a little less comfortable, um, and then hold the asset would be my recommendation. Was it John F. Kennedy who said a recession is a horrible thing to waste? And so <laughs> I definitely think next year we'll see some of that. Um, but just really get out there and buy the assets when you can. Yeah, there's always silver lining. Absolutely. Every every cloud, for sure. Right. I know that a lot of people listening will be um, folks that are probably a little bit away from being investors or being able to rent out. So they're the, going to be the renters. What advice do you have to them? I mean, what do, what do you, I mean, they can read all day. You know, you're supposed to have three times the income and all of that. But what's good advice to them? Here's what you look for typically in a good tenant. What I look for in a good tenant, so it kind of used to be the three times the rent. Now we're kind of seeing more of the trend of four times the rent just because the cost of living has gone up so much over the last couple of years. I do have a mortgage background, so I actually can look at a credit report and make good common sense decisions. A lot of times uh, they just put it into the system and it spits back a yes or no. Right. Whereas with us, I'm willing to have a conversation of, okay, these were medical. There's something to this story. Um, being open and honest with the property manager off the bat. If I have to dig and find something out, it's probably not going right. to end well for you um, because I'm going to already start off on the footing of I'm not trusting you of the situation. And I'm giving you somebody's largest asset, right, for 12 months or 18 months or however long. So the more open and honest and candid you can be, the more information you can provide up front. If I'm having to chase you for bank statements or paycheck stubs, I'm typically thinking I'm going to be chasing you for rent. So it, you know, it's really just a mindset, right, of the situation. So on your qualification for for a renter and having that you have a mortgage background, what's the difference between qualifying for rent versus a mortgage? You know, in the last couple of years, I had people coming to me and say, I can't, I can't qualify to rent a house, but you're qualifying me to buy, to buy a house. So is it tougher? Post-COVID, so before COVID in you know 2019, I would be able to get somebody evicted the same month they were late. And now post-COVID, we're seeing 90 120-day turnaround time. So a lot of my owners have become a lot more concerned about credit income. A broken lease is a very, very tough objection to overcome. So I encourage anybody who has to go down that path to really make sure you've exhausted all options before you break a lease along the way. So uh, typically on bank statements, I'm seeing on the self-employed front, right, where they just yeah. haven't filed tax returns sure. or something like that. Um, I do probably tend to look at an application more overall because of my mortgage background, looking at paycheck stubs, uh, making sure that, you know, they truly are still employed. Um, verification of rental histories have become very important to us, making sure that they're filled out. They're with a, you know, an apartment complex or somebody who's monitoring that. Um, we're actually about to launch where we're going to report to their credit report form. So it'll help them build credit, but it also help take some of the weight off of us filling out updates and things oh, like that. Oh, see, I love that. But and just for people to know that you actually looking at it holistically mm -hmm. versus just, okay, that's the rule and that's the rule and right. that's the rule. So, and everything changes as, right. as we just talked about. It's fluid. Right. Um, the property management market is similar to the real estate market. I mean, it is part of the real estate market. So it just absolutely changes over time. But I do love that, that yeah. you look at it, you know, with, with the whole picture. One of the other pieces of advice I would give somebody who's looking for a rental is ask your friends and family, who who's their property manager? Who do they enjoy? Because I can have great customer service for an owner, but you also want to make sure that customer service and communication happens for a tenant. If somebody's AC is going out at four o'clock on a Friday, 
Are they responding? And so, you know, you, you may not love that house, but if you know you're going to get good communication from the property manager and repairs are going to get taken care of, it may be worth it to to take, you know, a house that eh, is maybe a little smaller than you want to be in, but you know that if something goes wrong, they're going to mm-hmm. be in it for the long haul. You know, make sure that they have staff, you know, all that kind of setup. And and for those that are actually agents looking and thinking, what do you look for in somebody who's got a good property manager? What makes a good property manager? Communication. <laughs> I mean, it's, I, I tell, I have a coach who we were talking about, and I always say every month I have an opportunity to impress or let down all, everybody, my owners, my tenants. So it is a constant, um, my stepdad teases the constant option period, but it's, <laughs> he's a realtor as well. And so he's like, you're just constantly in an option period. And I'm like, I constantly have the opportunity wow. to show my value. And I also have the constant. And so we have a team, we have, um, I have four on my staff. Everybody knows that customer service, even if we have no answer, you still got to get something out. The answer is I don't have anything for you, but I'm working on it right now. I love that. Um, Cause some of our owners are overseas and the repair exceeds a certain amount and I've got to get approval, just something. So they don't think that they're forgotten about. Uh, people are actually very patient if they know what's going mm-hmm. on. Um, I find that people will give you a lot of grace if they understand that you're working on it, you haven't forgotten about them. You know, it gets hot in Texas. We get it. And so I had a repair come in Friday on an AC and we had somebody out there within three hours. That's wow. not the norm. Um, but we just try and say, hey, we've got three to five AC companies we work with. We'll try and get somebody out there as quickly as possible. Fantastic. So I have a funny story yeah. that I want to ask your opinion because it did not go well for some of our clients. So I had a neighbor that wanted to sell their house. So Linda came to list the house, but we had an issue with the tenants. Um, they had, they were doing, what, what do you call it? Self-management, right? And they, it was like, it was, it was like a comedy of errors. I mean, it was like, oh yeah, we've deposited the check. Oh, wait, we're doing this. Oh, we've wired the money. And then the wires revert. I mean, you name it. It was, it, it was awful. Mm-hmm. It was a nightmare. They even went to court, got eviction, and they still couldn't get them out of the house. Right. Right. Yeah. And so I can't remember how how they finally they were finally left. evicted. But I I would say that those people could be the testimonials for getting a property manager. But without how would that say. how would that have been different had you been you know I mean first off we know that you would have said. You don't have the money deposited in the account for rent. I mean, starting with step number one, right. obviously. We wouldn't have released keys without security deposit um, off the bat. Oh, this so, is after they'd been in the house oh, for like gotcha, over a gotcha. year. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So our, we're firm on our policy. Rent's due on the first. It's late after the third. We direct deposit to our owners on or before the 10th of the month. But if rent isn't in by the fourth, I am posting a notice on their door, sending it certified mail, calling, emailing, and texting, and late fees are assessed immediately. Um, the quicker in the month you can get in the hearing, log, the better. You can always pay your rent and cancel the eviction hearing, but every day that ticks by Mm -hmm. is more people filing for an eviction hearing. (coughs) Sorry, excuse me. Um, I'm going to grab my drink. That's okay. We'll edit it. They were fun. I wouldn't have thought of her for a million years. Well, I was, because that was kind of a nightmare. (laughs) It was a huge nightmare. Um, okay, sorry. Yeah. We'll wait till you're sitting down. There we are. Where were we at? So, so, oh, what, yeah. so, so you've, 
and I'll keep editing this out too. But um, so the first thing, talk about the eviction, getting on the eviction hearing. So you file with whatever JP court that the property is located in so that you immediately get a hearing. Um, you have to do a notice. First stop would be a notice um, of the eviction or a notice of non-payment of rent. Um, nowadays, you do need to serve it multiple ways. It used to be in the old days, you could just do it one way and now you've got to do it multiple. So we send everything certified return receipt, make sure that it's documented. That way it's not only was it through the email, not only there was call and text. Um, and then from there, you can file with the JP for your hearing. So typically those hearings are about four to six weeks out. They're, the JP courts are working on getting caught up, but they're- JP, what's that mean? Justice of the peace. Oh, okay. sorry. Yes, justice of the peace. Um, and so each precinct runs a little bit different of a schedule and different dockets. They were still doing Zoom hearings um, as of earlier this year, but they're trying to cut them down to now in person just because okay. Zoom takes so much longer. And they were giving people all kinds of lenience of, oh, you can't show up here. What about this day? And it would just drag out and drag out. So I definitely think the courts are caught up post-COVID. They're making big strides and steps to get them through the process. Um, I definitely think that the best thing you can do, though, is get in front of it. It's $250 typically yeah. per, um, per precinct. And so it's worth it to get in line. So what happens once you get that and they say, yep, you're, they're evicted. So they have five days to appeal. Uh, we are seeing the highest number of appeals we've ever seen. They have legal aid now for the tenants for free outside oh. the hearings. Yes. So once it gets appealed, it goes down to the main courthouse. Um, and now you're talking another four to six weeks for an eviction. So I have really tried to work with our tenants that are in bad fiscal situations to come up with some sort of win-win because Time is money, right? Every month that ticks by and we try and come up with like a cash for keys program. If you will just give us back the property, you know, type of situation. That's, that's creative. Yes. And so like we had um, a house that had squatters and it was going to take me six weeks to get into the hearing. And I had tenants already set to move in, right? We'd already leased the property. They had broken in type of thing. We gave them a thousand dollars just to get out because it was going to be cheaper than the court's. And I needed the property back to move somebody else and in. Did, did they got at work. Good for you. I had a sheriff meet me over there. It wasn't my first rodeo with squatters. I brought $100 bills. I had an authorization up to a certain amount with my owner. And they got out. And the Good sheriff was like, wow, wow, I've never done this. And I'm like, oh, this is not my first rodeo. Here's your, author, <laughs> here's your signature saying you're getting out. And they got out that afternoon. And so. Good um, for you. I grew up in real estate in the 90s. Back when, too, we did cash for keys with the banks. So um, when trying to get people out being foreclosed on. So oh. just really getting out of the box. And I think being compassionate, people, for the most part, aren't trying to do, you know, they just get in over their heads or whatever the situation mm -hmm. may be. And so I just try and find the win-win when possible. Oh, that's, I mean, that's a really creative way. That is, that is. Fantastic. Well, give me a good story now. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, you know, let's just say, oh, I've decided I'm going to um, go off to the Virgin Islands and, and retire mm -hmm. <laughs> in my dreams, but, and I want to go ahead and um, have you rent my house. Mm -hmm. What's my first step? What am I going to do? Typically, I visit with you, send you information on our services, also kind of what's happening in your community with the property, and then come and take a look at the house and let you know if there's anything I think long-term strategy-wise would make sense to do now versus later, um, and then discuss what it would look like renting, you know, how much you should be able to get in rent. Um, a highlight to a story is I have an owner I've managed for, for 15 years. Uh, we managed three of his houses, and Paul has not seen any of his houses in 15 years. And he called me last week, and he said, 
I forget I even have them. He goes, you make it so easy and so hands off. And so we have done updates on paint, carpet, AC units, roofs, you name it for him along the way. And so a good property manager will take all of the worry off. You just want to have that trust-based relationship. I've I've always said, if I didn't want to have you in my home for dinner, I don't want to manage for you because it's such a good trust communication-based relationship to make sure that you know, I'm going to take care of your house and you're going to want to take care of your asset as well. So um, I think- okay, you're my girl. You're my girl. When I when I end up leaving for either Vegas or or we'll come Virgin Islands, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. So how can we find you? And we'll put it in. We'll put all your contact information down below in the note, the show notes. But tell us how. What's an easy way for us to absolutely? Find Our you. office is two ten nine three zero forty four forty or the gsgteam.com. Um, we're also local San Antonio, right across the street. So come stop by and visit us anytime. Give a did you say you have a website? Yes, the gsgteam.com. Okay, great. Thank yes. you, Courtney, yes, so much. We really appreciate you great. coming. And uh, I mean, we'll probably do part two with Courtney later yes. because there's so much. We could probably talk a week. But yeah. anyway, all right. Thanks great. for joining us. Thanks so much, everybody. Bye-bye. Don't forget, subscribe to our podcast. We are on YouTube and we are on iTunes and all those other fancy places that I can't think of right now. <laughs> but make sure you subscribe. Subscribe. <laughs>